Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome into this week's edition of the Grizzlies podcast from the Commercial Appeal. I'm Grizzlies beat writer David Cobb, joined by sports producer Jason Munns and columnist Mark Giannato. We are just uh, fresh off the introductory press conference for Taylor Jenkins, the new head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, and just uh, over a week out from the draft. And a lot to dissect, Mark. You had a column that I think Grizzlies fans will appreciate if they have not read it already, and that's this. The words grit and grind were not mentioned once in a almost 45-minute press conference uh, yesterday at FedEx Forum. It feels like we have flipped the page and are officially in a new era of Grizzlies basketball. Yeah, it finally at least sounded like they're ready to to rebuild. And that's significant because we've been – it it feels like fans and media, certainly since the trade deadline, have been talking, and a lot of people even before that, people feel this is long overdue. But certainly since the trade deadline, everyone's been talking about the rebuild. Since Gasol left and then you're only left with Mike Conley – but we hadn't really heard it from the mouths of people running the franchise. And while they didn't use the R word during their press conference yesterday. There, there were a couple of uh, process. Yeah, process. Process. A couple times. Well, there, was, there were phrases like, we're taking the long view on this hire. We're not going to, you know proclaim an X amount of wins as our goal for this coming season, which runs completely counter to what Robert Parra did a year ago when he said he saw no reason why they couldn't win 50 games. So it's a totally different tone, at least. Even if they're not saying the word rebuild and they're still, you know, they're you know, they're emphasizing how competitive they're going to This isn't going to be a tanking, full-on tanking situation. But I think there's some realism within the organization that this is going to be a gradual process that is probably going to involve some loss, more losses than wins over the next year or two, at least. And while I'm sure there's fans out there who are like, well, what the heck? We just went through two straight years of terrible teams. Um I think this is better than that in that at least they're not feeding you. You were trending down the last two seasons. Now you feel like maybe you bottomed out or are close to it and maybe things can start trending up. Even if they don't hit 33 wins this season, at least it'll feel like there's progress because... It'll feel different if it's if it's Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant showing signs of being future stars and you win 25 games than it did last year where it was you win 33 games but it felt it just didn't feel good you know you lose mark you 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 go through this disastrous stretch during the middle of the season 
Um, even Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't play the last third games of the year. Um, so, and I just think it's better to prepare the fan. It's better to feel like it's it's better than last two years where they go into the season and Chris Wallace and and the coaching staff and the players are talking about you know th- this is how we're going to compete to get back in the playoffs when. I think most pragmatic fans knew these rosters the last couple years just weren't up to snuff to be a playoff team. And certainly next year, if what happens with the roster that we expect, when it, where it goes, where it's built around a rookie and John ja Morant or or RJ Barrett, let's let's, I guess there's that caveat, but probably John ja Morant and then Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, you know, maybe Taylor Jenkins is a big uh, Jarrett Culver guy. Here, here was here's was one thing that stuck out to me though about that press conference though, and I didn't really mention it in my column, but it felt like Taylor Jenkins. They kept talking about the collaboration between front office and coaching staff. Feels like, and I this is maybe a cynical point of view, but it feels like the front office wants more control over its coach than maybe it's had in the past. And like collaboration is a nice way of saying um, this is a guy who we hope is going to go by our playbook, so to speak. Where And, and like JB, then I, I wouldn't say JB didn't do that, but like look at the Chandler Parsons thing. There was a clear divide there this year. And then obviously you go back to David Fisdale, um, there clearly, with the handling of Marc Gasol, was a difference in opinion between the coach and the front office and ownership. And then, obviously, Dave Yeager really didn't get along with management. And Lionel Hollins, same way, you know, sort of towards the end, really chafed with management. So Yeah, well, Taylor, Taylor Jenkins was asked about the concerns that he may have had about the turnover in the coaching position with the Grizzlies, and I've got I've got it pulled up here. One thing that he said uh, that kind of stood out to me was that we keep throwing the word partner around. I hope it goes beyond that. I hope there's friendships that we're going to be able to take the challenges we have through that collective vision and know that there's going to be ups and downs. We're going to have our successes and mistakes. Um, we're, we want to be perfect, but we know that it's going to take a team to do that. So basically saying that, we're not always going to get along, but hopefully this relationship is so deep and so genuine that we sounds have in this collaborative, collaborative partnership that we can get through it all. Sounds a little naive. Let's see what happens the first time they really disagree. Um, now, I will say, I did come, you know, who knows if Taylor Jenkins, like, it's so hard to tell if he's going to be a good coach or not. Like, he very well could be the next Greg Popovich. Or he could be, you know, I, I gotta, the uh, next Mar- Mark Ivoroni. Yeah, everybody's saying, Mark, that he came from the uh, the Budenholzer tree or the Popovich tree or what have you. I think we need to give Memphis Hustle head coach Brad Jones a little more credit and say that, that Taylor Jenkins came from the Brad Jones tree because mm-hmm. Brad Jones was the head coach of the, uh, the Austin G League team. Taylor worked as an assistant under him, gave him some credit in the uh, presser. You know, it's cool to throw around the Popovich and the Budenholzer label, but... Give Brad some. He didn't cry talking about Brad Jones. <laughs> he cried talking about Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, he did. I'll say that he did. That was. Uh, what did you make of that? We had this is our oh, first. I no, 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 this is our first meeting. I set the scene a little bit. This is our first time. I mean, look, 
I, you could barely find anything about this guy on Google uh, three days ago. I mean, as of yesterday morning, he still didn't have a Wikipedia page. So we don't know a whole lot about him. We just kind of know the, the viral moment of him holding back the bench, you know, during the press conference when there was – or during the, uh, the playoffs when there was nobody to, to really hold back. You know, and then, and then our introduction to him is, is yesterday, and, and pretty quick out of the gate, he, he's getting kind of emotional. Uh, and I just want to know what you thought about that. Well, I thought it was very genuine. I, actually, I thought he came off very well in the sense that you looked at his resume and you saw a guy who went to Wharton and had this Ivy League education. He seemed, he seemed on paper to be a lot like Zach Kleiman and Jason Wexler and Robert Para, like this more brains-than-brawn type of guy. And when you when he introduced himself and started listing off all the people he wanted to thank and all the rela- how important relationship building is to him and just his whole delivery and his comfort level up on stage especially compared to you know like when you watch like Zach Kleiman I think and this is not meant as a negative towards him he's just a little stiffer you know that's just his natural uh demeanor and Tayshawn Prince up there seemed a little more nervous, you know, whereas whereas Taylor Jenkins seemed more comfortable, and it was it was a it was a good sign to me because he he just came off like everyone talked about how great he is at player development and building these relationships, and you could on paper it was like, huh, interesting, and then when you met him, you go, okay, I see, yeah. I see it now. Yeah, the the folks. He, folksy Texas yes. demeanor came. He doesn't through. come off as an Ivy League guy. He yeah, comes he comes off, off like a guy that I could run across on, in my Tuesday night men's league. Yeah, he comes across as an everyman. You guys want to hear more about that? No, okay, no, okay. No. Um, he came across as an everyman and a and just a a grinder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that was one thing. You know, of course, it was mentioned that we're going to get to work right away, but. You know that's said in every introductory press conference everywhere in every sport, but the scene that we both witnessed uh, just moments after the press conference concluded uh, that kind of resonated with me is he steps outside into the hallway between the, the press conference room and the locker room there in the FedEx Forum, and he's talking with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and one of the first things that Taylor Jenkins says is, well, are you going to be in here tomorrow? Yeah. And and that's the way they left it. As Jaron's like, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow, and and they're like, he was like, all right, I'll see you then. So I mean, you know, just this idea that they're going to be getting to work right away on player development, and, and I think that's that's going to be the name of the game here is player development because uh, you look at the guys who were in there yesterday, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks, a lot of development that needs to go on there. You look at whoever they're going to select in the draft, that's going to be absolutely critical to this franchise's success is the player development component and just the the working relationship between Jenkins and these players. Well, here's my question for you, David. So they sounded like they're ready to move to this new era, to rebuild this franchise. Do you believe them that they are going to give Taylor Jenkins, like that player development will be the emphasis these next couple years, that they're going to give Taylor Jenkins more time than they've given some of these previous head coaches. I believe that the people that we talked to and heard from yesterday 100% intend to do that. I think that is the plan. I think that is the intention. I do think the wild card in this is Robert Para, who can perhaps be a little bit unpredictable sometimes. And 
who has a vested financial interest in the Grizzlies. And if after two years of this, uh, the bottom line is not looking so hot and he's in a bad mood one day, I mean, things could hit the fan in, a, in an instant. Uh, that's sort of been the – there's been nothing in his ownership tenure so far to suggest that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. So I think there's always going to be that possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think that there was a time this season when Para essentially had to be talked down out of making pretty drastic things, uh, changes during the middle of the season. So uh, that to me is kind of the the X factor is mm-hmm. Para's uh, view on all of it. And we didn't hear from him yesterday. I know, a real surprise. We're never going to hear from him. Real surprise. But, uh, you know, I think I absolutely believe that it, that it is Kleiman and Wexler's intention to, and Tayshon's intention to, Give this guy time. Uh, he's never been an NBA head coach. He's 34. If, if the Timberwolves had not hired Ryan Saunders as their full-time non-interim coach like a month ago or, or whenever it was, Jenkins would be the youngest coach in the league, not to mention he's never he never played beyond high school. And, and so, I mean, I'm not, you know, that that's maybe not too big of a deal in the modern in the modern era, but it counts for something. So, well, and I thought an interesting development yesterday was Tayshawn Prince being up there on the podium with Zach Kleiman. Do you buy the narrative that they've really empowered him to be a huge decision maker in this process, or do you think that's more lip service? I, 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 I tend to believe them, because we've heard, we heard reports that he was out in Lithuania, you know, with, you know, he was the one who went and interviewed Sarunas Jasikiewicz, and it sounds like, you know, the, the scenario Zach Kleiman laid out yesterday, where it was essentially... As part of the interview process, it was Tayshawn Prince up on a whiteboard drawing up, situ- you know, laying out situations for their coaching candidates, you know, whether it was out of a timeout or end of game scenarios and having them give what they would do. And then it was Tayshawn sort of critiquing them to the front, the rest of the front office, sort of giving his input. Like, I don't think you lay that out if it's not accurate. And so. I do believe that it seems like I think it's smart. I mean, you have all these guys from non-traditional basketball backgrounds. Now, the fact that he was up on the podium yesterday, now I would say that was probably in response to this perception that um, you've got a bunch of non-basketball guys essentially running their team. They got a lawyer running their team, two lawyers running their team, um, and I think. That was that the optics of it were in response to that, but I do think underneath the surface of those op, that that sort of PR response is an actual big role that Tayshawn has taken on. Yeah, I think that within his, the organization, his presence I think is, is vital in a number of ways. I think it's ceremonial. It's 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 ceremonial, but it's also tangible. There's yeah. also real. I sense he has a really strong position within the organization now. All right, so what's next, man? You got that? We got the draft next week. I mean, well, that was what was the, the thing that was the thing that was not striking but notable out of that press conference is they kept talking about this vision, and so like that's why you can say like it sounds like they're ready to rebuild, and they kept there was the word vision was thrown around, and like Taylor Jenkins was talking about, man, we have the we have, we share the same vision. The only problem was there were no real actual specifics about what that vision is. Well, you know, because they are trying to avoid at all costs specifics. I mean, we heard it with 
uh, climbing yesterday. They're not going to put an X number of games out there like Para has done in the past on their own in-house media. Well, I'd argue, I'd argue, given the changes within the organization, given what this fra- what this franchise's fans have gone through the last couple of years. They owe it. I, I'm surprised. Like, I'm not expecting them to come out and say, like, this is who we're going to try and sign and this is what we're going to try, you know. But, like, I do think they owe it to the fan base. to. Le- it's a brand new guys, yeah. and it's the it's a 30-year-old lead executive with a 34-year-old head coach with a and, a and a team president who's never had anything to do with the basketball side of things and a 41-year-old owner with a checkered pat you know so far, a very inconsistent track record so far like i think they owe it to the fans to like actually sort of explain uh, what the heck it, they're doing i mean i don't think it takes a, a rocket scientist though i mean essentially the vision right is uh John Morant uh Dylan Brooks Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr. Is it? Is it, though? Are Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks really part of this team's long-term plans? I think Dylan's plans? presence there yesterday speaks to speaks to that. I mean, I think... I don't know. I thought it spoke to he was in Memphis and wanted to see what his new coach had to say. I don't know. Well, okay. If you take away... Even if you take away Dylan and Kyle. John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. That's your vision. And probably, if you play it right, you can turn Mike Conley into a... A wing who can space the floor and help you, you know, move forward. Well, according according to according to Zach Kleiman, though, they are not talking about rumors and speculation. Yeah, they're not talking about it, but we can. And like that's that, what I'm saying. I just feel I, I I would like a I would like a more I would just like a few more specifics. You know, like all we heard from Taylor Jenkins hopping and hopping. Yeah, he wants an offense that's hopping and popping with passes, and he wants uh, he's going to emphasize defense. Um, and I, you know, maybe as the months go by, we'll hear more and more. But what I think is that what 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 we've seen so far is that this front office is going to be very quiet, and that's fine if you're successful. And so, like, if if six months from now, like they've put together, you know, a, a, an encouraging core, then I'll look back on this and I'll say, you know, I was wrong. You know, they did it right. But right now, this front office has no, like, it's not like it's. We're not talking about R.C. Buford or Sam Presti uh, in o- San Antonio, Oklahoma City, who I've heard they're sort of modeling themselves after at this point. Like those guys can get away with not saying much because they've accomplished a lot. Yeah, that worries me. I, I don't want Memphis to take the approach with media that Oklahoma City and San Antonio well, have taken. Get ready for it, brother. Because San Antonio <laughs> has a coach in Greg Popovich who, um, I mean, he's just incredibly short and, and rude with the media. And then, of course, oh, Oklahoma, I don't know. Well, it's Oklahoma just, City's star player, I mean, is is very similar, and that's a guy that John Morant models his game after. Pop, is, Pop plays a character. I think if you get him on, if you ask him, yeah, but right it comes of, off as disrespectful. I mean, I understand that he's one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, and that you know, those of us who do what we do are schmucks. But it, but it, you know, there's been instances where I've seen it in one year on the beat where people are genuinely just trying to do their jobs and and, and you know get some questions answered by Popovich, and he treats them like like they're complete idiots. And it just comes off as disrespectful. Excellent basketball coach would love to sit in a meeting and just learn from him. Any number of ways that I respect Greg Popovich, but I don't respect the way that he treats the media. 
Well, Taylor Jenkins did not come off like Popovich yesterday. Yeah, I just say the, I'm worried about the overall uh, idea of, of Memphis kind of veering that direction uh, as what you know with San Antonio and Oklahoma City. Uh, that's a little yeah. concerning. Well, I think it's more. I think in terms of that, it's more like they're just we're just not going to hear from the front office very much, and we didn't last year really. Chris Wallace didn't talk very often uh, last year. Um, it'll be it's an interesting way to do things in Memphis. A city where there's like, there's a microscope on its two basketball teams, the Tigers and the Grizzlies. Yeah, you know, I was um, on, on with uh, Brett Orsworth the other day. He made a great point. He said, you know, that that if you if you let us love you a little bit, we will. And and the point he was trying to make is that you know if you if you let Memphians get to know you, they'll generally defend you. Uh, but I don't know that we're going to have that. We definitely haven't had the chance to get to know Robert Perra, and I hope we get the chance to know uh, the other key figures that are going to be a part of this franchise's. Uh, future because if if we don't get to know him, we don't hear from him, we don't really have a, a good you know trusting relationship with him. That kind of leads us to fill in the blanks uh, with, with a lot of key yeah. uh, decisions. Uh, and this coaching search was one of them. It was a key decision. It lasted two months, uh, but there by the end of it, you know, I was kind of uh, saying, "All right, what's going on here?" You know, uh, I, I kind of gave them some grief for it. But the, at the end of the day, they got it done in time for Taylor Jenkins to get on the phone or a WhatsApp with Jonas Valanciunas, who was fishing in Norway, uh, which is a great visual. Uh, and they also got it done in time for him to be a part of the draft the man discussion. Who looks like a grizzly bear? Do you think he like fit? Just like ducked his head in and grabbed it with his mouth That's like a say. bear? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 t- I take him for more of like an ice fisherman. Like that that was but obviously he's not ice fishing. Like sitting on a lawn chair on like a block of ice, like yeah. with a harpoon or and like a bit like a big um, bushy hood, like cloak type thing. And like a forty ounce spear so, in one hand. That he made himself. So we're we're recording this in the morning on Thursday. Uh I guess it's technically eighteen hours, sixteen hours, something like that before. 15 hours before he has to officially make his decision to opt in uh, to the final year to activate the player option right. in his contract. You, I think, are working under the assumption that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to opt in just because of how stacked the free agent market is at his position. Uh, you know, I don't think that he necessarily wants to come in and play for a team that's going to be, you know, that Vegas is going to set at 29 and a half for, for wins next year, you know, but. Um, I think that if he can continue to do what he did last year, that he'll be in great shape in next year's free agency class. I mean, the, the big question, the million-dollar question, is are they going to give him that role? Uh, $16 million question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and then Mike Conley, I asked I asked Zach Kleiman yesterday during the press conference, what? how does Mike Conley, this, this vision that has not been actually uh, enunciated, how does Mike Conley fit into it? And he said, what I said earlier, we're, I'm not going to get into the rumors and speculation. But I thought it was notable that he did say, um, we play, in describing all that Mike's done and whatever, he, he slipped up and spoke in the past tense, but then corrected himself and said present and went back to the present tense. He continues tense. to do, yeah. Um, but at the end, he goes, we place significant value on Mike or right. something along those lines and that felt like a message to the rest of the league that hey like we're not giving him up for nothing you know like it was a I thought that was a I thought that was a purposeful statement 
by him. And that would be foolish to give him up for nothing because yes. his value. Like we're is just not going to trade him to trade him. We want we we place significant value on him, as they should. But I still think I I would not be shocked if come draft night we get into the teens of the draft and there's some player they like in the first round and they orchestrate a deal right then and there. I wouldn't be shocked by it. So I that that that's I don't know if I predict it. I still think I still I I would pred- I still predict that Taylor Jenkins will never coach Mike Conley in a game with the Grizzlies. That's my prediction. I don't know. I don't think Mike Conley will be on this roster when the season starts. I'm still uh, I'm still not sure when he'll get traded whether it'll be during the draft, but the two scenarios in my mind are during the draft some some guy they've become enamored with during the draft process in the teens is still available, and so they try to orchestrate a deal with a team with a mid first round pick, you know, in Indiana, Utah, Detroit, whoever, whatever yeah. team team needs a point guard, and they orchestrate it then. Or it's you know two weeks into free agency, some of these teams have whiffed on these big free agents that they're going yeah, after. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are, another... cle- that are clearing max spots, but there's only a limited pool of players that you really want to give max money to, which is going to leave some, some holes that Mike Conley could potentially fill. Uh, it's just a matter of what the Grizzlies uh, can get back. I think to me that's probably the next most intriguing storyline if we're operating under the assumption that they're going to take John Morant, which I think we are for the most part, unless something crazy happens over the next week, uh, I think after that, I mean, the the Mike Conley decision is is big. It's probably the biggest decision remaining. Uh, Speaking of John Morant, you were up in uh, Murray, Kentucky. Yes, correct? yes. Anything, anything uh, our listeners should look forward to reading about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, some stories um, in the days coming. Coming out in the days before the draft that uh, you'll want to keep an eye on at commercialappeal.com. Should be some some pretty good stuff just kind of diving into his his whole story, you know. I mean, we all know at this point, right, that he was this unheralded prospect that they found in the back gym and all this stuff. But, like, you know, we're going to get a little deeper than just the, what everybody already knows. Get deep. You're going to go into sp- the specifics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, well... I think that'll do it for uh, this one. You guys, don't have anything else to add? No. Well, we'll. I mean, what about the rec league? Like your. Yeah. Well, see, here's anyway, the, sorry, here, sorry, sorry. M- sorry. Months, months. I was up in Murray, Kentucky. They had to play without me on Tuesday night. They lost by twenty. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in to the uh, Grizzlies podcast from the Commercial Appeal. This is David Cobb. Thanks to Mark Giannato and Jason Munns. Uh, for contributing today. Uh, be sure to stay locked on to commercialappeal.com for all the Grizzlies news over the offseason.